0: This is The Huddle. You've got a former college athlete, a professional athlete, trainer, and a sports nerd who says some words, spend their Friday afternoon talking all things sports. Welcome to the show. All right, welcome back to The Huddle. I am your host, Spencer Huddleston. Guys, I don't know if you've seen on the Market Street Media merchandise store you can now get branded face shields like Andy Reid. <laughs> <laughs> does it come? Does it come
1: pre-fogged? <laughs> <Do you laughs> it's got a windshield wipers. Do you think we can perform under those conditions?
2: I, I, I have faith in you both. I, I give it to Andy Reid because it's like if you can call plays and 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 perfor- have his team perform like that with a fogged up face shield then, you know, it's either that or Eric bien really does call the place.
0: <laughs> the thought was that he could just slip a cheeseburger under it. I think, I think that's what everybody was about. Uh, guys, the mood in here today is electric in the studio. We got football back on the NFL. Woo! We were super psyched. With me as always, Brad Weems, Greg Hoffman. Guys, I'm going to ask you the same question to bring you in today. I want the juicy details of how you watched this NFL game last night. Brad,
1: hit me. I didn't watch it,
0: <laughs> but that's, first thing I did, juicy.
1: ESPN app, and you got all the highlights. Okay.
0: So. You got an early morning some morning, so you got to hit that bedtime early. Is that what you're saying? Yeah.
1: You know, I got uh, Layton coming in first thing Friday morning, so I got to be ready and ready to go for him.
0: Stay fresh. Stay yeah. fresh.
2: Greg, yeah. did you consume this thing? Uh, I had a triple header going. My, my son, <laughs> the, the Liberty Bell Patriots, uh, took one last night against Elizabeth and unfortunately a couple of... Questionable calls from the referees, but lost by seven with a chance to win late. Had a 99, I guess it'd be a 103-yard interception. They got called back, 103-yard pick six. They got called back uh, because the uh, refs inadvertent whistle.
0: Oh, no. So
2: had that going, came back just in time for the kick. Uh, Watched that and then flipped over to the ACC network to check out the Miami Hurricanes versus UAB. Uh, the Louisville Cardinals have Miami on the schedule for next week. So I wanted to check out the
0: Hurricanes. There's so had a
2: scouting little triple-header football action last night. I was jacked. That's so awesome. Was awesome.
0: Well, I'm, I'm shouting out my neighbor, Steve, who uh, dragged a TV out into his driveway so that we could have a socially distant uh, viewing for a couple dudes in the neighborhood, man. It was awesome. Like a good neighbor. Better. That's it. Steve was there. <laughs> it was Drew? awesome. Did Drew stop by? <laughs> no, no, no. We didn't We didn't see show producer Drew last night. We'll try and catch him again, hopefully, uh, after his guest appearance last week. Um, guys, we got a real fun show today. We've got a, an awesome slate of NFL talk, NBA, college football. We've got our usual yeoman and, and peak performer slates. So let's jump right in here. The game last night, the two... Highest-paid quarterbacks in the NFL: Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson.
2: What's the What's the total contract value? Assuming six hundred
0: and thirty-three million. Yes, yeah, so, I knew it was. I billion. knew it was like eleven billion. Yeah, <laughs> some some chump change out there for the two of them. I think at one point the the sweet serenade of Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth. They talked about having. Uh, Aaron Rodgers in the poorhouse in quarterbacks because he was pulling in just $33 million a year as opposed to forty. These These contracts are nuts, and they're they're only going to get bigger. And I'm sure we're going to talk about that because one of the biggest things that I saw last night was the difference between these two teams as far as offensive weapons are concerned. Greg, you said earlier on the show— that the DeAndre Hopkins move away from Houston was a huge impact. We saw that last night. What'd you say? Crazy. So, you know, you look at the
2: stats, Hopkins by far and away as far as one offensive player from a skill position standpoint, over 30% of their offense was was through DeAndre Hopkins last year. So, take that off the board and there was all the 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 excuses and 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 other receivers and David Johnson that they brought in that they were going to spread that Wealth out and have a plethora of receivers and weapons, and it just did not materialize last night. Um, you know, they started off okay. David Johnson looked a little bit like David Johnson of old. A uh, couple of couple of quick burst runs, uh, scored a touchdown, but uh, Mahomes in, in that offense um, just on another level and just impressive to come out and do that. Again, game one, you know, no preseason games. Looking sharp, Um, looking sharp, razor sharp. What'd you see, Brad?
1: Yeah, uh, I was watching Mahomes and his touchdown passes and the small windows he was getting the balls into were incredible.
0: And there's no, like, I I agreed and I just don't see in today's NFL that the argument with Bill O'Brien and the decision that he made by letting one of the top receivers in the NFL go was he said it was a financial consideration because he had to pay the quarterback and I get that, but it, to to try and allocate your assets in such a way where you are banking on David Johnson, who we talked about before the show, is I just don't think he's the answer. He doesn't have enough mm-hmm. offensive production to match what these gunslingers are doing in the NFL today.
2: Not at all. interesting how they used him. I mean, David Johnson in his prime was a dual threat, you know, two thousand all-purpose yard guy, almost a thousand yards receiving in that that one tremendous year that he had did not have a catch last night out of the backfield so I think that was another head scratcher on you've got this dual threat running back and and you don't use him to his full potential
1: yeah he was a McCaffrey before McCaffrey was around and you know he's had his injuries over the past few years uh it was definitely a risk uh trading him because in DeAndre Hopkins you had a wide receiver that created plays versus just a player that was getting plenty of targets and getting those stats. Exactly
0: right. Do you think that Deshaun Watson, Brad, has the right to be in the same category of high-paid quarterback as Patrick Mahomes just based on what you saw last night?
1: I think it's a little too early. But, uh, you know, they've decided that that's the guy they're going to roll with as their franchise player. And so you got to pay the man if that's the decision you're going to make.
2: Yeah, I think talent, talent, and ability wise, he's proven to be there. Um, you know, he, you got to have he, great players bring the talent level up around them. Uh, again, you know, let's not put a whole lot of stock in week one uh, just yet. But uh, you know, Bill, they O'Brien, are who we thought they were. Right? <laughs> Bill O'Brien and Deshaun Watson have been together for a few years, so no excuses on that. But let's let's just let this play out a couple more weeks and and see. But um, you know, week one example was 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 not a very strong, uh, strong show. And
0: you just knew the. I, I mean, again, I'm an AFC South follower, but looking at the Houston Texans roster, like you can tell if you're, primary target is going to be will fuller down the field like he's been injury prone spotty at best has he, like, has he played five or six games yeah <laughs> I, I just don't at least consistently you know i i don't
2: know what brandon the, cooks is on his what third or fourth team in the last couple of years yeah so, you know all that being said here's the reality of the situation you know they go up they go up score first at seven nothing and kind of hang in until half right before half and it's You know, 25 seconds to go. O'Brien decides not to go for it on fourth down, tries to kick the long field goal. Fairbomb pushes it right and leaves 25 seconds on the clock for Patrick Mahomes to come out get his team in field goal position, they get the ball in the second half, go down and score, and that's that's all it took. So.
1: You, you just wonder if they learned from that playoff game against Mahomes last year. You know, they were up, what, 21, 28 yeah. to nothing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 30,
2: 31 unanswered points, exactly what happened last
1: you, night. You cannot give that guy the ball. Yeah. No. It doesn't matter how much time. No, you're exactly right. And
0: that used to be the thing they said about Tom Brady. Was that you couldn't leave couldn't leave Tom Brady time on the clock, and that Mahomes it seems like needs even less to get things done. Yeah,
2: it's uh and, and on the Chiefs side again they looked razor sharp, but it was a pretty un non traditional Chiefs offense in the in the Mahomes era. Uh, he only averaged six point six yards uh, an attempt. Uh, Tyreek Hill didn't have anything down the field. He caught one touchdown on a little slant in the you know on the goal line. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Helaire was the was the you know, the, the breakout that everybody, everybody predicted from a, you know, a, a fantasy standpoint. And he, he was everything. He, he, everything that he was hyped up to be so interesting to see you know was that just a matchup thing that they were exploiting or is that is that kind of the new chiefs offense uh, this year
0: or was it andy Reid calling plays <laughs> through a, a foggy window could have been that too how much <laughs> all diff- of the above
1: how much different do you think that game would look last night though if we had had four preseason games yeah no yeah no much question. cleaner i'd yeah. say uh,
0: no uh, question. more offensive production definitely you saw a lot of drop balls a lot of missed routes but, you know that's always the the clean part early in the season. But we've got a whole week one slate coming. The the football is now being injected directly into our collective veins and it's going to be awesome. Uh guys, for this week one matchup, who are you looking at, Greg? Who's your top matchup we got to watch this Sunday? Or, I
2: think the or top the top matchup is uh is that Bucks Saints game. I mean that's that's the one that I have literally circled here on my sheet. Uh the other the other couple uh that I that that I see uh, you got NFC North right out of the gate, uh, Bears-Lions uh, and Packers-Vikings. So, I mean, that's, that's going to be a big couple of week one matchups with, uh, you know, all four of those teams really kind of a coin flip of, you know, who's going who's to take the NFC North. So uh, that one and uh, the other one that I felt um, was, uh, was an intriguing matchup, at least, is, uh, is Browns-Ravens. Ravens with uh with Lamar and 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 everything they had rolling last year and the Browns new coach is that uh, is this the is this are the Browns for real or is it just <laughs> is it just going to be
0: Baker being Baker just week 1 we'll see so, Brad
1: what you got on your list I'm looking at two games uh, well obviously we're excited about Monday's game but um with the Titans that's a late start for that one two games that I'm I'm not huge fans of but more about the matchup is that New England and Miami you know Miami's I, they were garbage last year, but they always, like, rise up to the occasion when it comes to New England, even during the Brady era. Especially early in the season, too. I don't know why that is. Obviously, I want to see all the hype that is Cam Newton. Yeah. So that's going to be interesting. And Magic. There you go. And uh, I'm also looking at uh, San Francisco and Arizona. Like I talked about a few weeks back, I'm a, a big um, Murray fan, so... I, I think he's going to have a breakout year, so we'll we'll see what happens there. I
0: want to see those old gunslingers, Tom Brady and Drew Brees, yep. in a divisional matchup for the yep. first time is very interesting. Oh. I also want to see Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. I I think that's another mm-hmm. we talked about him on the show is in a prove it year. I want to see the weapons he's got. I think that that will be an interesting matchup against the Rams. Guys, Agreed. we had a awesome kickoff personally on the huddle. <laughs> We did a collective fantasy football draft. Uh, your esteemed colleague and host, yours truly, had some technical issues that we had to get through. So Calling we had get... on the AOL dial-up, I, I did. think. did. Yeah, it was a little tough. Uh, Brad played through a little bit of pain. Guys, who had the highlight reel on the draft this week? And I'll, I'll just
2: – that's the first <laughs> – I'll just say I, I thought it was just an absolute uh, uh, shit show. <laughs> just <laughs> – uh, I had no idea. first time I've ever done the Yahoo draft. Yeah. Uh, like electronically through the app, yeah. and we needed preseason. It was games. just yes. I mean, that was my third fantasy draft of the year, so I, I came in with a lot of high expectations, and it just got flipped upside
0: down on its yeah. head. Brad was um, a game time decision until twenty minutes. Yeah, you know, Brad
2: drafted two teams. <laughs> you had it's you totally had your entire happened. family on with the, you know, without being on the the Zoom call, yeah. so they were. Were silent. Um, just before I knew it, we were in the sixth round. Uh, just completely off my game. I'm such an old school, on the sheet, crossing the names off, plotting my next three moves as I do it. And I was so flustered. It's like again, we were in sixth round before I knew
0: what happened. You're saying you're not comfortable in a hurry-up offense? Is what I I'm guess. Here. I guess I'm just. I guess I'm. <laughs>
2: I'm three yards in a cloud of dust. The old hey diddle diddle. Um, the, I think the superstar of the draft was latent Yeah. I mean yeah. the 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 butt of the joke was that he was going to auto draft and we were just going to play against a robot basically all year and he came on strong on the Show draft. Producer, I think he had one of the better drafts up. of all of us. <laughs> Brad,
0: what was
1: your take? You think that went well? <laughs> I I thought the production of Market Street Media was amazing. Like yeah. I didn't realize that we were going to be broadcasting with our picks. I thought that was real good. Um, I think Layton has been. He, he's an undercover sports watcher. He, Sneaky, yeah. He, there's no way this guy drafts like that, uh, with not knowing, you know, what he's doing. And we're keeping him off the mic this week because I'm a little scared,
0: Leighton, because he waited approximately 10 seconds to start trash talk right after the <laughs> draft. He came strong with it off the top <laughs> rope. <laughs> so we'll see. That that'll be a continued topic for us throughout the season is to see uh, who had in the speed draft that we did earlier this week. Who had the best? Best team, but it it is truly the fantasy football season now. Everybody's dialed in. You're not uh, on a bye week trying to set your rosters late in the year. So we'll we'll catch up with Leighton then, guys. the The last big news: Odell Beckham. There's so much to the story that you know. It's a family-friendly show here. Well, so I think I'm just going to set a timer and just let y'all go for as many Odell jokes. Brad, give me with some Odell jokes. Oh, goodness. <laughs> or tell me your reaction to this story. So for those of you who don't know, the, um, a, a podcast, which I, I probably shall not name because I do not know, but a, a couple young ladies indicated that Odell Beckham had a particular fondness for um, bathroom events. I, I don't know. He likes to get pooed on. I, I really don't know how to do it better than that. So Brad hit, hit me with that. I go, uh, I go back
1: to the whole, uh, Austin powers, you know, I feel like the bedroom <laughs> talks like who does number two work for.
0: <laughs> There's really no quality way uh, to come at this topic. And no. I don't even think Greg, you talked about before the show, is it even a legitimate thing? Like yeah, is, it's just, my,
2: my one and only joke is what I describe my fantasy football team. <laughs> <as just> a, <laughs> an absolute shit show. Yeah, so, that's it. um, but, it, you know, and that it's just crazy how this day and age that you can you can have these young ladies on, and whether it's true or not, whether there's any evidence or anything substantiated, go on and and talk about this and how it blows up publicly. And again, Odell's got a, got this. You know, that is forever stained
0: on his <laughs> reputation.
2: I mean, it's just um, so. You know, take it for what it is. and he's. But you're absolutely
0: right. Like, how can you go from having a, you know, he, he's not, he's never been known as like a, a, you know, a pristine character within the NFL. But just to have a story like that come out and have no substantiation, like, man, it's almost like you can just start a podcast and talk about whatever you want. <laughs> huh. I don't know how that works. <laughs> It's crazy.
1: We've got our R. Kelly of the NFL. Yeah, there you
0: go. So that's the uh, that's the hot take on on Odell. We'll we'll look forward (laughs) to all the the legal documentation that comes out about that one, Uh, guys. We're super psyched about the NFL, but we've talked about it over the last couple weeks. The NBA is just having an awesome postseason. The story that it doesn't seem like we're consistently talking about that is emerging as a story in the NBA. The Miami Heat are eight and one in the playoffs. And look, just dominant, Greg. What are you seeing from that team?
2: Jimmy Butler is a dog. Yeah, I mean, he is. Uh, he's he's taking his game and his leadership to a whole other level. Um, this Heat team is a lot like the Raptors that we keep talking about. I mean, a deep team, you know, six players scoring in double figures, um, and have just just came out again and uh, led by Jimmy Butler, and just have have almost reverted back to old school nineties pistons basketball. You yep. know, it's just it's they it's, could it's, shoot too. Yeah, I mean are really from outside the creek. Really,
0: really great to
2: see uh see them come alive.
0: Brad as a Tennessee fan, are you now on the Tyler Hero bandwagon or no?
1: I am. He's you know, obviously if he's playing in Knoxville, not so much, but uh the the kid is a stud and the sky's a limit for him. You know, this Heat team is a lot like uh, the Raptors team that we talk Mm -hmm. about. They're very much like a a good college basketball Mm -hmm. pedigree. When you got Jay Crowder, Mm -hmm. Udonis Haslam, Hero, and then Jimmy Butler, Mm -hmm. Jimmy Butler's had better talent around him and performed, uh, you know, it A seems like less. he
0: likes this team. It seems like he, the, this team matches his personality. Bam,
2: Bam Adebayo, I mean, out there, almost filling he, – he he's got more offensive game than Rodman ever had, but filling that kind of Scrappy. defensive scrapper uh, rebounder. Um, and he leading the team in assist. I saw.
1: Because yep. if you look at just straight talent alone, the Celtics are so much more talented. And I would even say deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, so – Excuse me, I don't know why I'm talking about the Celtics. We're talking about uh,
0: No, I I mean, I agree with you, but I just We're don't think. about the-, the heat bear But,
1: um, yeah, anyway, it's been a shock. You know, I, I got back home and caught the last bit of that game last Friday night. And what was it, like a 20-something to two run to pull that game out? It reminds you of, like you said, a, a high-pedigree
0: college basketball team. Mm-hmm. Like, they have runs. You can see them playing well together. They don't do a lot of that. I think that's why so many fans, you know, of kind of the traditional basketball that we grew up watching in the 90s i think that's why so many fans don't like today's nba is they do that clear it out box isolation where they've got one player trying to go in and drive and score and i don't see a ton of that from the heat and i yeah. love it i love yeah. how they move the ball yeah. i love how they shoot it's fun to watch yeah brad let's talk about your celtics they've got a huge game seven after giving up a double overtime loss against the raptors Who, from your view, emerges as the game seven hero in this Eastern Conference?
1: I think the Raptors win it. I got to stick with them. You know, we've been picking them all along. Um, I guess that looks like Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry, so expecting big things out of him. Strong. It's tough for the
2: Celtics to overcome, um, you know, on just half a second away from a 3 0 lead that Mm is, you know, historically insurmountable to come out. Lose that game, lose a double overtime heartbreaker. I mean, that's more drama in one series than you know teams have for decades. So you and think
0: they're emotionally shook at this? Yeah,
2: point. I, I don't. I don't know how you regather um, and, and overcome that. I, I, I'm, I'm going Raptors.
1: The the mindset of a championship team is going to be much different than someone's that's not been there before, yep. not battle tested. Yep. So that's why I'm sticking with the Raptors in this one.
0: Still solid. What about the West? We're seeing LeBron, we're seeing Kawhi, we're seeing the chalk emerge in the West. Y'all have a favorite coming out there or any interesting take coming from the West? I'm I'm going
2: I'm going clippers it's, again, assuming nothing absolutely historical crazy happens. Lakers clips, Kawhi seems to be LeBron's kryptonite. So um
1: I'm I'm going with Clippers. I think we see the inevitable all-L.A. matchup in the West. Definitely.
0: And you're seeing LeBron, you know, middle-aged man still playing with with these young dogs. LeBron is 35, and, I mean, it's just continuing to dominate his sport, which leads me to a very important question for both of you. Brad, at 35, what are you dominating in today's world that you cannot compare anybody
1: else to? Um, not nothing physically. Uh, <laughs> it's probably looking like Mario Kart. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so that's your, that's your thing. Your Mario Kart world domination. I'll
1: take my chances on Mario Kart. What you got, Greg? Man, I'll flash back 10,
2: that's 10 years ago for me. So, um, I was probably peak shape of my life 30, you know, at 35, okay. I was, I was marathon running. I was, I was in Brad's world of CrossFit. Um, you know, coming coming off the three hundred pound football days, so I was a at one point a shredded one ninety five and uh again uh running running marathons and crossfitting. So
0: um I'll I'll stick with that. Be, be, the, the best day.
2: shape of my life. That's at awesome. 35. That's awesome.
0: That? Mine is so much more embarrassing mm. than that. I I honestly think and I this you know, say what you will, but A product of my misspent youth, which seems to be a consistent topic of this show, I spent a lot of time playing foosball, and I really, like, objectively I'm saying this, and I will be glad to put it to the test, I think I could probably beat about 95% of the people that walk in playing foosball. It's, it's like that's like saying you're third in the world in Turkish karate. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> are,
2: yeah. are there three people that you know that, that, that are there three people
0: that exist that have, a, have I'm a, not that, that saying it's a widely competitive football. I'm okay. just saying it's a skill, <laughs> and I think that I have a high acuity. Okay. In it. That's all okay. I'm saying. There's a very uh, there's a very specific table need too, so I can't just stroll into any table. But if I saw the right, it's a tornado for you other two Turkish karate players. Out there. <laughs> but <laughs> it's a it's a very important thing to you know to be good at. I think I love it, um, guys. We uh, also had an awesome awesome college football week. Um, I have to tell you another embarrassing story about why we need a statistics and fact checker on this show. Uh, I showed up last week or a couple weeks ago and told both of you that the college football slate was not going to have any big teams playing until the end of September. And the reason that I did that was because my ESPN app that I was using to look at the schedule was filtered to the Sun Belt. Oh, nice. So there would have been no teams from the SEC yes. uh, or the ACC playing in in that period. So. I was totally wrong, and we actually do have an awesome slate of games coming up this week. We've got Clemson, Notre Dame, Oklahoma all teeing off. Who are you all seeing as the top college football teams to watch this week? Greg, who you got? I mean, outside
2: of my Louisville Cardinals against Western Kentucky, um, I will go with – I, just sour grapes, maybe. I, I want to see Oklahoma and Spencer Rattler from from the QB one show. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely lay the smackdown on Bobby Petrino and the Missouri, <laughs> Missouri State Bears. I just I hope I hope they hang half a hundred on them at half. And, there you go, uh, and go go on with the the huge victory.
1: Um, with the slate we got this weekend, I'm looking at uh, the Appy State game. You know, they had a good season last year. And then um, it's always fun to watch Cutcliffe uh, coach and see what he can do at Duke. They have some surprising seasons. That Notre Dame, couple, yeah, yep. couple. Of,
2: I mean, I've got uh, there's four ACC games yep. right out of the gate: uh, Syracuse, UNC, UNC, 18th team in the country. Of course, you, what you just mentioned Duke and ND, uh, uh, Notre Dame, the 10th team uh, in the country preseason. Georgia Tech, FSU, interesting to see with all the turmoil at FSU. Mm You know, third coach in just a few short years. Norvell, if he can bring some of that Memphis Magic um, quarterback guru uh, to Florida State and get their uh, quarterback room squared away. Uh, That's only a a 12-and-a-half point spread against uh, the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets and then uh,
0: Clemson and Wake. Um, What about that Clemson team? Do you think – that Trevor Lawrence is going to emerge immediately as the number one draft pick.
2: I think something pretty drastic would have to happen. Otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. We'd have to have an injury or, you know, the other, the only other person in that, at least in the quarterback uh, conversation is Justin Fields Mm -hmm. with him not playing. Um, I mean, he could, he could use this time to prepare and, be the, the gym Jim Short hero when it comes time for pro days and show out, but um, Hank Lawrence, every I mean he's already got, you know, three years of film and mm-hmm. you know didn't regress six, at all. You didn't
0: think he regressed at all last season?
2: <sighs> Regression's hard to say. Um, as good as he was yeah, to start. I mean it's still it was still I mean fantastic. Um still took him to you know to national championship games. So just um when you're you're that highly rated and that highly thought of, especially from you know his first start um his f- true freshman year um it's just that that expectation level is just at a whole other level than anybody that I can remember for the last twenty years so um i don't i think it he would have to have injury um or just co- go down to forty eight percent completion percentage, which i just it's you know not gonna happen yep.
1: It's all about the talent around you, you know, so. Well, let's talk about that Justin Fields
0: comment because I don't think that the door is closed yet on the Big Ten or Ohio State actually playing a season. So Ryan Day came out with a social media post earlier this week that indicated that they are still looking for an, a possible October kickoff, that they have not shut the possibility down of a fall season and they're basically imploring the Big Ten to evaluate why they're they're not they're essentially the only team in the state of Ohio from high school, college, pro that's not playing football right now. Yeah. How do you explain that to the to the kids to the parents?
2: Yeah, in absolutely. In a in a one of the football obsessed states in the country. And you know, everything you just described, everybody else in the state of Ohio is is playing without with the exception of the Buckeyes. And it's just it's it's mind blowing. I keep waiting for that revote that we keep hearing about. Uh, Jim Harbaugh keeps talking about, you know, they're, these teams are practicing. Right? Right. I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're out and doing workouts and, and, you know, they're, they're not having, it's not a fully padded practice. Harbaugh says he can have his team ready to go in two weeks. So you keep, you keep waiting for everybody to come to their senses. And, and, and they're get, saying
0: October 6th now, right? Yeah. Is the at,
2: at, I think at the earliest, but again, is that, you know, you get these teams will be almost a month into the season. So if they're able to go October sixth is it are they eligible for you know for the national championship game or are they playing the same number of games you know it's just so many so many things would have to happen for them to even go on October sixth, much less be in the conversation you know
0: from a national standpoint
1: spence, you went to college in Ohio uh, Ohio State's definitely the biggest team in Ohio,
0: yeah, without a doubt, and I think that's what shocks me about. You know, we talked about the testing protocols and the associated costs and how they could be prohibitive to some of these mid-major teams. But with Ohio State, you're you're talking about an organization that is up there with Alabama and Clemson with the infrastructure that they have, with the support of an academic institution. I, I just, it boggles my mind. And it, again, it reinforces some of the discussion we've had about a singular voice in college football, because I think that... Infrastructure wise, you're talking about these huge land grant universities that have untold amounts of support and infrastructure that just seem to be in the lurch and not able to get this thing done. So, I I mean, I hope you really want to see that full scope of college football. It's almost it's
2: just, you know, all I can say is that it's just these these presidents and chancellors all got together, jumped the gun. You know, they wanted to be the first one to. You know, to um, postpone the football season and look like they were the smartest people in the room, and I just think it's just almost prideful right now that they don't want to reverse course um, and say they were wrong.
1: I agree with you.
0: Well, let's hope let's hope they turn it around, uh, guys. I'm going to have to turn y'all around on a whole different topic here. We're going to have some fun to wrap up our college football segment. Uh, as you all know, BYU, Brigham Young University, is a very unique school in the college football landscape, made up of almost entirely players of the Mormon faith. They are a really, an interesting team. They've always been very good. They've had an air raid attack. Uh, and this Jim McMahon, year, the Detmers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, great, great history at BYU. Uh, the 2020 BYU roster came out, and there's some boys on that team with some really interesting names. And so I'm going to play a game with each of you. I'm going to ask you to guess if the name of this person is on the BYU roster or if he's on baby.com's 20 <laughs> most popular boy names for this year. Okay, y'all right, ready? Lay it right, right on us. All right. We're going to start here with the first one, Britain.
1: Britain. Take it, Brad. I'm gonna go 2020 baby name. I'm uh, I'm going 2020. That's BYU roster. Mm. Ah.
2: Mm. Mm. All right, hit the second one. So so that by by saying that, Britton is not on any top name, not, not a baby name of Britain is
0: on the BYU roster. Okay,
2: so again, that ex- he is he is, that, <laughs> Yeah, you got uh, it. Nobody's naming their kid Britain here in 2020. Is that I what mean, you're saying? Not, okay. not to my knowledge. Somebody. Yeah. All right, gotcha. All right, second one, Gunner.
1: I'm going BYU.
2: Yeah. I I mean I re- Gunner Keel, remember that quarterback <laughs> never really yeah. quite quite amounted to much, but uh um I'm going, yeah, I'm going gunslinging quarterback at BYU.
0: You both got it right. BYU right. <laughs> bang, Raptor. bang. All right, here we go. For uh all of you fans of Gone with the Wind out there, Rhett. R
2: H E T T. What are you thinking? Uh, I'm going uh that sounds like some trendy baby name. I agree 100%. <laughs> all
0: right. There's a developing theme here. BYU roster. <laughs> all right. I'm going to keep them running here. What do you got for Skyler?
2: BYU.
1: <laughs> I'm going to say 2020. Also BYU roster. I'm just going to tell you they're all BYU they're All right. <laughs> Let me hit I you with you these last the, two. The curveball.
0: Herkley? Herkley? H-I-R-K-L-E-Y and Hobbs are also names of boys on the BYU roster. And I just picked maybe like a slice of it. There are probably 30 awesome names from this thing. So,
1: And that's the, all the uh, O-line, correct? Uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you have to lop off
1: all the,
2: you know, uh, Samoan descent and Hawaiian descent. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Maybe that's a Herkley. I know. Who knows?
0: I've got no idea. But I will tell you this um that is probably my favorite roster so far this this year um man i, I had a ball with that and, and thank you guys you both won that game uh, <laughs> running away i, think it, was a, I think it was a push <laughs> push and we're doing some free promo work for baby.com <laughs> also even though i didn't even check on the names uh guys that's our segments for today Greg, hit me with your Yeoman Award for the week. So last week we, uh, we hit on a little local
2: flavor with, uh, with Prince Collie um, over at Crockett, ND. Commit. Um, you know, uh, I've been going to these Science Hill football games, and Science Hill has a player. Uh, 6'1", 250. You would expect him to have a, a you know a number in the 70s, be an, o, be an O-lineman, maybe a D-tackle. Uh, Caleb Mazoff. Okay, six foot one, two hundred fifty pound tailback, number thirty two. Did not Henry. did not play football last year. I spotted him on the basketball court a couple of times, and I went to see the toppers play. And I was like, "Who's this middle linebacker playing power forward on the basketball team? Really, this hustling." getting rebounds, scoring tough buckets, and he he decides to come back out for football for his senior year. Um, Was not the starting tailback when they played Elizabethan a couple weeks ago, but has since uh, established himself. Hardin Valley, last week, the toppers, Mazoff, 14 carries, 194 yards, two touchdowns, and a 79-yard run where he ran away from the DBs all of right. Valley. All right. All at six foot one, 250 pounds. So Let's my, get that Derrick Henry. My yeoman going. in the trenches award, Caleb Mazoff. Science Hill Football. It. Nicely
0: done. Local flavor two weeks in a row. Thanks, Greg. Brad, who's your peak performer well, this I've week? Well, i
1: got a couple of them this week. Yeah. Um, First of all, we got to give a shout out to Leighton with those draft picks (laughs) the other night. We're talking Gronk, Deshaun Watson, Zeke, Juju Smith. I mean, for a guy that claims he knows nothing, that's pretty impressive.
0: He's already leading in his week one matchup too. Apparently. No kidding.
2: Just he was able to to correctly pronounce all the names. I mean, <laughs> I thought that was a win in itself. And then when you really go to, go back and look at his draft, I mean, hats off to you, bud. Yeah, nice but, job.
1: But my true peak performers sitting across the table here, because Spencer and my brother-in-law Tyler <laughs> took down the great Bob Huddleston. On 18 holes last week. It Mm -hmm. happened.
0: It it was only nine, but it happened. Okay, nine holes last week. So there's a few caveats here that I'll I'll probably expand upon because we we do about once or twice an annual golf tournament, and we always play best ball against my dad. Uh, He sweetened the deal this time by playing not only best ball with me and my brother, but we also played – he was just playing with a six iron the whole time. So if you've ever seen the movie 10 Cup, he putted with a six iron. He drove with a six iron. Uh, My four-year-old son drove the golf cart, and that was pretty much, you know, we we had to rely on a lot of support to get that win. It was a team victory, really. But, Brad, I appreciate that. There you go. (laughs) Peak performer. Yeah, that's it. I'm I'm glad to have one in the the books. One arrow in the quiver. Boys, y'all got any uh, spotlights? I've, I've got some class for you this week.
2: Class it up because it's, yeah, it's, uh, I need, I need a little gentleman's culture today.
0: Okay. So this, you know, this time of year, obviously we're recording today on nine eleven, which is a, an incredibly historic day for our country. You know, we, we you know, ev- everyone has a different emotional reaction on this day, which is, you know, pretty incredible still that it's, it's such an iconic part of our fabric of, of, of our society. Uh, I think last week we did a, um, labor day trip over to sycamore shoals to look at some of the historic you know site out there in elizabethan uh and i picked up a book that i'd heard a little bit about previously and I, whenever i say things like picked up a book i think about uh ben stiller did you get past page two <laughs> think, like LeBron. <laughs> lebron yeah i think about ben stiller's character in dodgeball where he's like i read about it in a book <laughs> <laughs> so that's this is where i read about it um So this book is by a local author named Cameron Judd, and the story is called Bridge Burners. And it really goes into great detail about how this region in particular was such an isolationist area for pre-Civil War siding. They didn't all land with the Unionists who ended up on Abraham Lincoln's side. They did not all land with the secessionists. It was a very hotly contested area to the point where there were acts of insurgency essentially as part of the Union revolt to try and keep the Confederacy from invading into this area. Uh, and it included this like midnight run in November in the 1860s where they went from Johnson City to Greenville and burned several bridges to keep the advancing of the Confederate Army. It's incredibly fascinating story. And I think it really speaks to a unique Identity for this region, that you know, as I, I'm—I wasn't born here, I wasn't raised here, but as a transplant, you know, you could still see those things about East Tennessee. We mm. identify as a people much more, you know, I wouldn't say skeptically, but we're we're a. Um, reserved, I think, isolated Mm -hmm. kind of population. It
2: it speaks to the whole, you know, state of Franklin. I mean, it was almost its own state here in northeast Tennessee. So I think just historically, I mean, that falls just exactly in line. It's a it's kind of a melting pot of, you know, of cultures and beliefs and values. Um, I mean, just from from the 1800s to present day.
0: It's an awesome read. I'll probably have to do a couple pages like LeBron and <laughs> check those cliff notes at halftime of the games this weekend. But Get Wyatt to take your picture. That's it. We'll get through it. Well, thank you all for joining us this week on The Huddle. Boys, thanks for, for jumping in on a big football weekend, and we'll see you soon. Absolutely. Thanks again.
2: Let's go blue.